Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Super Deluxe Gamescast. It is Thursday. What is it? January? January 25th. Yep, I got it. it only there's, took me... there's a clock and a, and a calendar on your computer in the bottom right corner, hey, look, bud. Derek, there's a lot of things happening on my desktop. I can only do so much at once. Okay. Um, this is an episode that I have been looking forward to slash dreading for, 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 for some dreading. time. Dreading? Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I'm looking waiting. Forward. Hold on. <laughs> dreading because of the topic. The topic is a postmortem on 2023, which 2023 was a really weird fucking year for games. But I've been looking forward to it because our former cast member and award-winning journalist, uh, Reb Valentine, is back on the podcast. Now, I want to specify, she has not just won one award. She's won two awards. All of the awards. First, she won the Game Hers Award for Gaming Journalist of the Year in November 2020. Uh, and then she won the Knickerbocker Award for Best Game Journalism from the New York Video Game Critics Circle in February of 2022. Chanda's awards you, you don't even know John, about. <laughs> are you reading my LinkedIn right now? No, I'm, what are you no, doing? I'm literally listing there's a list of awards you got. Look at his look at his look at the Where'd reflection in the heart glasses. This is, my, this is on my LinkedIn. No, I'm reading it. I'm reading it off IGN. Oh, I did put it on IGN. Oh, that's yeah. right. I did. I, did. <laughs> I love yeah. seeing the reflection of what John's looking at through the heart glasses. <laughs> Yeah, see, it's, it's on IGN right there. You can see it in the reflection of my heart glasses. Yeah, that's true. I did I did write a bio. Can we like retroactively use Reb's personal awards to like fig- help no, that guy? No, that's just John because of height beast. Who got mad when we claimed we were an award-winning podcast back when Reb was still on it? Oh, yeah, yeah I remember that. Oh, He's like, what awards? Funny. I want to see these awards. Yeah, we, yeah, we were like, funny. yeah, I remember that. We were like, we're an award-winning podcast. And he's like, yeah. bull fucking shit. Show <laughs> me the award, loser. You, you've won no Show me the receipts. Award. I mean, yeah, I'll like, give you an award if you need one. Hell yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's like my dude. You know, you, you know they're all made up, right? Yeah. Like, you can just you can just invent awards. And they don't give you money. We, we literally did that. Finn and yeah. uh, Caitlin made some socks. Finn, <laughs> Finn gives, yeah, right. Finn so gives people socks the and they yeah. put and they put the sock award on their Steam page. So yeah. <laughs> we basically and then, were committing, and then they made AAA multi hundred million dollar games. We were committing we were committing podcasting stolen valor with that one. So we we apologize to everyone. Uh Reb, it's been way too long since you've been here. Hello. Hello, I'm here. I'm I'm hanging. I told I told John that I will come on this podcast more often if he invites me uh, with more notice than literally the night before. <laughs> That's why I haven't been on. That's the only reason is because sometimes hey, I get a text. Hey, Reb, it's Thursday. Text. You want to come on? <laughs> I get a text from John at like 3 p.m. on a Thursday. The podcast goes live at 6 p.m. Like, hey, can you be on? And I'm like, oh, my God, no. To be fair, um, every time like we have a podcast, but only like two or three of us can make it that night. John definitely has has the duty of oh. like round up a buddy last minute because everyone else is, has the I'm big sad. We don't minute, usually buddy. give him much notice. It's like an hour before the show. Yeah, I won't be on. <gasps> yeah, it's oh, like oh. brought it. It was upstairs. He brought oh, it. Oh, there. Oh, lovely. Yay. Got it hanging. Is I it a I watermelon have... sock? Yeah, lovely. Finn had a bunch left over from one of the Paxes when he was giving them out, and I had asked him if I could have one. It would have to have been so West uh, 2019, I guess, right? Because that's yeah. the one we were all together but at. also because she, did did, she earned it. Yeah. I, did I? Did I make yeah. a game? Yeah. Sure did, did. I look like, did I look like Hunter S. Thompson in those heart glasses? Slightly. Did I? What? On. Somebody in chat said, with these heart glasses on, yeah. I look like Noted Clipmaster Dorian said that you look a little Hunter S. Thompson-esque. 
Interesting. A lot of, of Hunter S. Thompson photos going around with him wearing heart-shaped glasses. I don't. I mean, I, I personally don't. I see wouldn't it. question it. <laughs> I don't see it. All right, you fucking nerds. We've got some shit to talk about tonight. Ooh. Are we going to? Are we going to talk about what we've been playing? Or are we? Just yeah, gonna hop absolutely. Straight? We yeah? have. I need some good vibes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Also, mm -hmm. we have at least one game that's been played for review recently that needs to be talked about okay. a little bit. Mm -hmm. John, in fact, uh, let's start with you. Briefly, because I don't know everything you've been playing, but I do know one slash one three thing things playing. you've been playing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Capcom very graciously um, gave us a code for Ace Attorney uh, Apollo Justice Trilogy. <gasps> and uh, I, I played through all three of those. Now, I had not played the original Apollo Justice game. I had played Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice. Dual Destinies, of course, being one of my favorite Ace Attorney games. Uh, and uh, Finn, you'll, you'll want to keep your ears open on this one. It's a great trilogy of games. Um, the remasters are done very well. Uh, Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice especially uh, lend, lend themselves well to a, a nice HD upscaling from 3DS. A little less so with Apollo Justice simply because that, you know, that was a, that was a DS game. Um, and and it, it is, the art style is much more similar to the first three Ace Attorney games being that it, it's it's hand-drawn and there's not a lot of motion and I don't feel like that art style just and I, I felt the same way about Ace Attorney one, two, and three being um being, you know, brought over to the Switch. Um I don't feel like that art style lends itself well to uh an HD remaster. I still enjoyed it for what it was, but it definitely and like especially leaving like Apollo Justice behind and then moving straight to dual destinies, which looks a lot better and it it plays a lot better. Um, it was a little bit jarring for me. I don't know that I would go back to, uh, I don't know that I would go back to Apollo Justice, but Dual Destinies is one of those Ace Attorney games that I can just revisit over. I've played it multiple times. Um, so it's a great, great compilation of games. Um, obviously, if you have not played the first three Ace Attorney games, I do not recommend starting with the Apollo Justice trilogy because you're going to be fucking lost in the sauce. Uh, those games are set six years after Trials and Tribulations ends, and there's a lot you're not going to fucking understand. Uh, so, so definitely start with the first three Ace Attorney games. But thank you so much, uh, Capcom, for pr providing us a review code for that. I greatly appreciate it. I'm Capcom so happy we live in a world where there's like three really good Ace Attorney compilations available for like most people to play yeah and they're, and and they're it's, super accessible it now. does pretty well right like visual novels have a hard time breaking through the noise a lot of times and ace attorney seems immune to that like it just does pretty good and i couldn't be happier for that it's also like guys it's capcom i love you it's time for ace Attorney seven like come on yes. like and i i have to believe that that's happening now that they've remastered the first six games and they've brought over the great Ace Attorney trilogy, which, or or not the trilogy, but the two great Ace Attorney games, which are, by the way, the best Ace Attorney games. Um, but I have to believe it's time for seven now. Like I, it it it, it has to be. Shoot Takumi's got to be like, working on something. Unless they're going to remaster Investigations, which they shouldn't. Yes, um, they should. No, I mean, no. yeah, bring Investigations. I played the fan translation there. patch of the first they one. Have I like done. They've done a delightful job of keeping this series of games accessible for people to play. 
So not to do my own horn, but I was on NPR's 1A this week uh, with Frank Cifaldi <laughs> and James Mastermarino talking about game preservation and why it matters. And oh, like, I love that topic. A big, a big topic in that discussion was the fact that current, because of current laws and because of technology and just because of the way the industry is right now, we're so much at the mercy of giant corporations to keep games accessible for long periods of time because technology is constantly degrading. We're constantly getting rid of old consoles and taking on new ones. And people, you know, don't necessarily have the ability to access these older games. So the fact that Ace Attorney is by and large a pretty available series for people, especially compared with other series, especially again, because of what Derek said, the fact that it's visual novel and people are kind of, people have weird vibes about visual novels, but for some reason like Ace Attorney gets like an exception. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's really good, it. but well yeah, deserved. I mean, there yeah. are so yeah, like Chrono Trigger Square. Where's Chrono Trigger? If you want to talk about games preservation, he did I say mean, he was going to do this. It's, a, it's around. They like like Chrono Trigger is very playable today. But where's Parasite Eve? Or is it on this, PC? These goalposts. Wait, did I make this? Chrono up? Trigger's on no, PC. It's on. Chrono Trigger's on Steam, and it's an excellent port now. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. It started off as a garbage port. They had to do a lot of fixes for that one. But, um, but if I start going down this rabbit hole, I'm going to talk about Chrono Trigger the rest of the podcast, and nobody except Reb wants that. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. Oh, of course, obviously, I have been playing Final Fantasy 14 as I am wont to do. So yes, Reb, thank you, Reb, fucking fantastic. Reb, look at this shit. Hold on. Oh my God, John. Ah, fucker. <laughs> he just threw his webcam. Doesn't doesn't Finn have to leave early? We sh I want to hear what Finn's doing. I do. Finn's got to oh, come good. next. I do want to hear hear what he's been playing. It is all Sorry good. About Reb, look, it's Chrono. Wow, he's, he's red like everything else in your room. He's wood. Look, I can't help that. Anyway, <laughs> who's next? Finn, Finn, buddy, what you been playing? No, I want to hear what Reb's been playing. I'll go after Reb. Finn's been playing. Fine. Okay. <laughs> So I have been uh, playing a couple things concurrently. Um, finishing up my uh, co-op game of Baldur's Gate 3 with Saki. Oh, um, yeah. How far are you how many, hours, how many hours are so, you in now? I have beaten the game with a group, my group of friends from home already. And Caitlin and I's game is we're almost there. We're about a handful of quests away in Act 3 of being done our game. Uh, total, I think I'm like, 500 ish hours into it. Hell yeah. All right, you're about um, right, Matt. And then I just beat Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his <gasps> name to prepare yeah. myself for Yakuza 8 or Like a yeah. Dragon 8 Infinite Wealth. That's out like uh, today, isn't it? It came out today. Oh, uh, hell yeah. And I'm also chugging through both Dave the Diver and uh, Prince of Persia Lost Crown. How do you uh, like Dave the Diver? I am not as high on it as other people. I'm curious what you think. I. I got like pretty addicted it because to it. it's 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 the roguelike elements were very downplayed compared to others in the genre. And that made me like it better because that's usually not my genre. Uh, Cause it like, there's actually a sense of progression and I was like getting through the story missions. I didn't care enough to like max everything out and do everything in the game. I just wanted to get the story done. And I, I just yeah. entered the, what I've been told is the final chapter. Okay. So Ben, are you referring to indie game of the year? Dave, the diver? I am referring to a game that came out last year. Uh, type of pro production. Noted AAA production. Noted indie game, Dave the Diver. Noted indie game, Baldur's Gate 3. And noted indie game, uh, Dave the Diver. What's that? It's, no it's a pixel game? Well, it's clearly indie. 
And besides that, uh, no, that's pretty much it. That's four different games I'm playing. That's a lot of games. A lot of games. I love that you're too. doing a co-op Baldur's Gate 3 run. Imran oh, and I were so doing that fun. too. Uh, we stopped in the middle of Act 2 because the game was really buggy and we kept having like crashes it's that just... were causing us to lose progress so which oh wait till you get to act three i hear it is better oh it's now. much better now it's better now it's we much intend better to go now. we need to go back to it we haven't had any um, time yeah no it, it's i love it and so now and that since i got like a drag like like a dragon uh eight is gonna be pretty much my focus for the rest of the month Same. and i hope to get it done in time for seven rebirth that's the plan Hell yes the winter of rpgs the That's winter right. of our p our there's something there opposite of discontent i don't know yeah, something in there yeah That's noted right. wordsmith rebecca valentine everybody speaking of noted wordsmith rebecca valentine reb what have you been playing oh i'm so sorry i told derek i had two conditions for this podcast i told him i did not want to talk about a certain game that involves oh, we're not talking about monsters that and guns no and i told him that i did want to talk about void stranger uh which is the game that i played on my honeymoon pretty much like obsessively and i'm still like picking up and whittling away at uh have any of you heard of void stranger do you know what that is? i have not yes. i have it's like a okay. puzzle game right yeah, so it is a Sokoban style puzzle game, which means it's a block pushing game. Like if you ever played a game where you did like oh, little okay. block pushing puzzles, that's Sokoban. Uh, and so the the general gist of it is you are a little a little person. You're this character named Gray uh, who jumps into like this this 255 floor deep labyrinth. And on every floor, there is a little Sokoban puzzle and you solve it and then you go down the stairs and you move on. And that's that's the basic thing that you are doing over and over. Uh, but as you go down, uh, you start there, there's sometimes floors where you get like little pieces of Gray's story and this background where she was like the lady in waiting to this princess. But she also has kind of this dark past and, some, you know, the princess is going to get married to this guy. But Gray's like not sure about what's going on. And so it's it's sort of interspersing these uh, these scenes of kind of vi f very fluffy anime visual novel with this kind of grim labyrinth where you're occasionally seeing like these decaying corpses and these like oh, I'm looking at it right now Reb, but like visually I dig this yeah it's 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 very like an, an homage to the like Game Boy Color yeah era of of visuals you're doing this but so this is fun like I enjoy the block pushing but I am enamored with Void Stranger because it is one of those games where there's some other shit going on <laughs> there's like an ARG like quality to this where there are all kinds of weird hidden secrets and things you can do and as you play through it and once you beat it for the first time you gather some information about how the game can be played and how you can do things a little bit differently uh and you are then compelled to play it to play the same puzzle rooms through again but with a little more information about how it all works. And then you, you finish it differently and you maybe get another ending and then that unlocks something new. And then you learn how this one element works. And then you learn that actually there's secret exits and hidden floors and uh, nonogram puzzles. So like Picross puzzles hidden all over the place. Some of the really and, dark and twisted. Yeah, there's a bunch of real fucked up shit in there as you go deeper. And it turns out it's like tied to a game that the de developers of that previously made that I've never played something Ranger. I think I don't even know what it is. 
Uh, but anyway, they're all like, it, it's really deep and there's just a bunch of stuff going on. And I'm at the point where I have solved every nonogram or every nonogram, every, uh, every Sokoban puzzle it's given me, but there's still a bunch of stuff hidden in the game. And so I'm just trying to figure out how to jump between floors and sneak around and like, figure out what all the weird hidden secrets are there. There's like ways to get new items. That, Cause it's like the main item you get is this rod that lets you pick up a platform in front of you. And then once you have one, you can put it back down so you can kind of rearrange the floor tiles. Uh, but there, there's apparently other items you can get that do other things and you can find them and do all this stuff. And there's a bunch of, there's like secret, it's, there's no boss battles like on its surface. It's a Sokoban game. So you're just pushing blocks around, but then you find out there's actually secret boss battles. Uh, so yeah, I I'm really into Void Stranger right now, the, and the music is a jam. I'm gonna have to check this out because I love no, I'm I love when I'm a game is like right deceptively simple at concept, yes. but then it like like a puzzle box opens itself up to reveal like all these additional things that you didn't even know were there the first time through. I love that yep. sort of stuff. I love games like that. Games so that good. play with your expectation of what a game is mm-hmm. are always yep. good. I what well, no like I'm looking at this and Reb you know that I love like a good retro aesthetic. This is mm-hmm. this this looks this looks this looks fantastic. It's really um, nice on the Steam Deck too. Um, I I stole Imran's old Steam Deck when he got the new ones, so I've been playing it on Steam Deck. I I wish they'd release it to for Switch. Uh, but it's it's a good it's a good handheld. Like you just sit there and kind of puddle around with puzzles. It's really nice. Reb, by the way, you should know that my next playthrough is I'm going to play Undertale for the first time. Oh, I thought you you've did never that. undertailed. No, huh? I started it and I okay. never finished it. That's what I'm remembering. Well, finish that game. You Why gotta commit. We'll talk about Undertale later. Like, but don't. Uh, yeah, mm. I know that. I, I know that's random, but like the you know the whole retro aesthetic kind of kind of brought that to my mind. But yeah. this this looks great. Who's the developer on this, Reb? Oh, I don't remember. Some real cool people. Yeah, this looks really cool. This looks really Some really little cool. Bitty team. They did like yeah. a like a shmup or something before, right? Zone, zone something. What was it they did? I don't remember what it's. It's, it's a game I'd never heard. Zero Ranger. Thank you, Mister Delaby. Yes, uh, Zero Ranger is their other game, which I I had heard of vaguely when I heard it mentioned. I was like, oh, I know that that's a game that exists, but it. I think it was not a game for me. Yeah. Uh, Reb, you got anything else? That's the main thing I think right now. I I like Finn. I'm very stoked for uh like a dragon infinite wealth. Uh, yeah. Imran actually had an early copy and he he played it through all the way. He wrote a review on on his Patreon that's really really good uh, that people should go read. So I've seen like you know thirty second snippets of infinite wealth here and there, but I fortunately not had it spoiled for me. But I know enough to know that I'm just gonna like be super duper into this game. Um, I know I know that it's a game about Ichiban being a very good boy. And that is Yay. so important to my heart because he's such a good boy. Yakuza, every new Yakuza game, I am so surprised. Um, actually, it's like a dragon. Okay, cool. Um, every new one of these, uh, I I constantly find myself surprised by how like earnest and heartfelt and like like for for games that are ostensibly about gangsters right Mm -hmm. and crime like the protagonists of these games are often very very good people and good men and like i think that like like um you know yakuza 7 you know that that blew up you know over here in particular being so very 
um, sympathetic to and showing like the plight of homeless people and like sympathetic to sex workers and being very like anti like you know the kinds of like movements that seek to push people to the sidelines is very mm-hmm. like oddly progressive for art in general like art is they're very pro-social yes yeah. yes yeah. in in a way that like i just constantly find myself a little surprised by and i shouldn't be at this point as many of them as i've played but yeah, i'm very looking forward to infinite wealth because i'm sure it's going to be wonderful I am very compelled over the course of the series by the fact that, like, if you play some of the older games, there there are moments in those older games where you're like, oh, they did not nail this portrayal. There's, like, specifically a portrayal of, like, a a woman who is queer in one of the early games. She's, like, very explicitly a lesbian. And then at the end, they're like, oh, but actually, he can kind of keep her from, you know, he can, she just really needed a real man in her life. And it's kind of gross, frankly. But I have... I, I have become appreciative over the course of the series of the fact that these developers seem willing to, you know, you can't really make statements and go back and edit games retroactively, right. but you can do better in the future. And they, they really seem to like every single game. I feel like they learn a little bit more about like their own biases and they, they keep making like games that are better at con- better and better at confronting them. And I haven't read this article yet, but I saw a really good headline uh, from one of the outlets that reviewed this article or that reviewed this game that was talking about how, uh, infinite wealth is very good at having a conversation about hey everybody all of the main characters in this game largely are criminals like they have done kind of like socially reprehensible things like some of them have done murder some of them have done like really bad violence uh a lot of them have extorted people like like genuinely things that in real life you'd be like hey what the fuck that's horrible uh in a game you're a little more forgiving because they're protagonists of a video game but they're genuinely really bad things but these are games that allow you to sort of have a conversation about, okay, these are people who want to rehabilitate. They want to find their place in society. They just want to make an honest living and live their lives. Do we let them do that? Like, what does forget? Like, it's, it's nice to be, to wax poetic about forgiveness, but what does that like really mean in a societal context? And are we giving them the tools and resources to do that? And should we, I mean, yes, but should we? And like, how does that happen? And I, I'm really interested to see how that plays out in Infinite Wealth. And I, it sounds like it does a pretty good job. So I'm oh, freaking stoked. Could not be more excited. You know, I, before we move on to you, Derek, I, you know, Reb mentioned really, really good boys. And I do want to mention, since one of oh, our yeah. big guests kind of let the uh, cat out of the bag on Twitter, um, real quick, I do want to say that we are going to have a an SDGC podcast panel at PAX East uh, with... Uh, ben Starr is going to be one of our one of our guests. Obviously, he's the voice of Clive Rossfield in Final Fantasy 16. Finn is going to be on the Finn's panel. Finn's going to be a judge on the panel. Britt will be a judge uh, on the panel. Uh, I will be our Derek, MC. Eric is running the panel. I'm not on the panel at all. Um, yeah. I want nothing to do but with it's, this. It's this the best be boys of Final Fantasy. And, and um, as, a, as a note to people in chat, I'm going to post a link to the survey. If you've not done the survey yet, um, please do so. Help us narrow down we're going to do two rounds of voting to help find out who the actual best boys are. Cause there's a lot of really so, good boys. And after, really after boys. Ben spoke up and said, Hey, I'm on this panel, Derek, how many votes did you get? Oh, for hundreds best of, of hundreds of responses poured in over the next 24 hours. It's been brutal. Um, I I'm and and two of the questions are write-ins because I don't know the MMOs. Right. So like, I'm just going to have to read through a lot of text answers to tally up. Catch up. Did Ben actually like tweet out the he did spreadsheet you had? No, 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 no. Uh, but he, okay. he, 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 he replied. He replied he re- to John. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. 
but but yes. No, it's it. Yeah. So so um, Derek, who else is on the podcast or who else is on the panel? Cam. Is uh, on the panel? Cam, good buddy. Cam Hawkins is going to be on there. Um, Jared Green is going to be on there. Um, a journalist uh, and buddy buddy of many of ours. And then um, Darren Simmons over at uh, Rusty Rupees is going to be on. Um, so so good good panel good mix of of types of folks um a lot of rpg nerds uh here to talk about some good boys i uh i just want i want to give two shout outs in chat real quick one to huggable hipster gaming who is ariel she says this podcast is my comfy place uh we greatly appreciate that that makes me feel really good and of course grant stoner uh is doing really good journalism in the chat as well dude Um, grant is fucking amazing Grant is amazing i get to work with him now we get to do story i get to help i get to like edit his stories this is really that's awesome good. i wish everybody I could go read grant stoner's articles i wish i could be i i honestly like grant is the grant has the kind of personality that i strive for and will probably so never cool. have yeah. so um no grant i'm not going to stop i'm going to keep going uh yeah. derek you want to derek you want to go next yeah, sure. Um, so I'm trying not to play anything I, that is going to be like a big time sink or that I can mm. I need to get too involved in because, of course, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up that I'm interested in. I'm, I'm really interested in um, Yakuza 8. I'm really interested in Persona 3 Reload. I'm really interested in uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink um, after that demo. And, you know, not far off from now, we have Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. So it's RPG hell here in the beginning of the year. Um, Don't forget Visions of Mana. That's like summer. That's, That's summer. always yeah, whatever it counts. Dude, I'm so confused. Mana. Okay, yeah. continue. But right, um, but anyway, so what I've I've been playing two things mostly uh, over the last week. Uh, I started a replay of Wolfenstein: The New Colossus. That's the oh, second hell one. Oh yeah! And it, it's, it's so good to kill Nazis. Cathartic. I haven't played it since launch. Um, because I, I I replayed uh the New Order not like maybe a year ago, and it was like yeah, let me throw in the new colossus and like i get that the new order is maybe a little bit better to play i get it i get it here's the thing the new colossus is a perfect video game because it takes it is it is for like a in that it is a very like intelligently anti-fascist game um like it's very intentional about like the fact that you're like it, it displays not just, you know, Jewish people and like people of color as enemies of the Nazis, but like disabled folks, neurodivergent folks, queer folks, right? Oh, I love the fact that it just takes a big fat diarrhea dump all over Hitler. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, right. The, 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 I was saying on Twitter, um, a couple days ago, but like the part where you get to finally meet Hitler and he's just like a little and, man and with dementia who's, yeah, yeah like is, is so cathartic. And then he shoots Ronald Reagan. Um, is it's so good, but like even stuff like where Sigrun, um, the, the main villain's daughter who defects like right at the beginning of the game is, is effectively like the way fascism works is it creates a hierarchy that must ever shrink, right? As soon as you get rid of all of the undesirables, you do have to create a new outclass of undesirables. So you can start with just, we have to get rid of all of the Jews, right? But, or or we have to get rid of all of the Roma people, all disabled people. But eventually it does shrink to, we have to get rid of neurodivergent and queer people. And eventually your, your upper hierarchy is so small that you have to look at things like you are overweight and that is moral degeneracy in and of itself, um, to put those people, 
Yes, exactly. To create a new outclass for people to focus on. Um, fascism is self-destructive and will always eat itself, but that's the method through which it works. And I think it's very smart to show that through Seagrin early on. Um, it's just a wonderful game and it's very oh, cathartic. Awesome. Eric, uh, can we give a shout out to Super Spash? Yeah, I love Super Spash. Uh, even Super if Spash I have some bad fun. experiences with Spash. neurodivergent folks who are a little obsessed with aliens. Um, but like, I do love Super Spash. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I've been having a great time with Wolfenstein. The other thing I've been, I want to play Wolfenstein. Yeah. The other I, thing, can I, can yes. I throw in there, Derek, that I loved, I, I loved when I don't remember what, I don't remember all the names of the Wolfensteins. I'm not a Wolfenstein. I have, I'm not a, I'm not a big shooty gun. Yeah, person, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love, love the spirit of those games. I loved when the most recent one came out and they did the cycle of interviews. And this was like at, at this period of time where, you know, we were having, we were for some reason being forced to have a discourse over whether or not it was good to punch Nazis, which of yeah, course it always great. is. Um, but but people were like asking the Wolfenstein devs, "Hey, do you think it's really okay to shoot Nazis?" And they were just like staring at these interviewers, confused, like, "Yes, yeah, I love good. the line what from the interview. Of, there's a lot of great things you can do with a hatchet and a Nazi. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, like I yeah, I, I am just, a big fan of." Uh, I like to say that any Nazi within 20 feet of me isn't safe. And they know it because um, there's bits in the game where they poke at like modern, like far right, yeah. like the bullshit of like, you can overhear two Nazi soldiers being like, I can't believe they want to kill us just because we hold different opinions from them. Right. Can you imagine how, how this would be if we went around killing anybody who had a different opinion from us, <laughs> which like th th that's exactly what they're doing. Yes. But hypocrisy is not a thing that matters to to no. fascists so like you can't catch them on hypocrisy this is great i just appreciated in a time when like everybody you know i mean yeah. forgive me for being crummy here but like you know certain triple a publishers when you try to have any kind of question that invokes any sort of like moral the existence of any kind of morals of any kind uh when you ask them questions about hey did you like have any any kinds of you know, vaguely political things in this game. And What's they, like, a politic? Freak they freak out and they get scared and they run away. The fact, the fact that machine games was willing to just unequivocally say, yes, it's very fun to shoot Nazis. We love it. Uh, like, yeah. Thank you. Man. Thank you so much. You guys We've actually built an entire brand you. around it. Yeah. Yeah. I see the, I see the vision giving them Indiana war. Jones. Like, kind of for Indiana like, Jones. <laughs> Look, since look, we won World War II. We beat the Nazis. We get to say what, what we get to say what can and cannot be done with them. And it's always morally permissible to punch or shoot Nazis. It is always morally permissible. Please continue, Period. Derek. I apologize. Yes. The other thing I've been playing um, is I, and I, 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 I wish I could tell you that it was a good thing uh, that I was driven to try this. Um, oh but no, Derek, you're not going to talk about it, are you? I am. I Wait. played a visual novel called Class of '09. <laughs> Oh, which fine. I thought you were going to say you played Pal World, and I was like, what did no, I say, no, Derek? No, no, what no, no, no. I played a visual novel no, called Class of 09, which okay. is, it is, it is, you play oh, no. maybe the meanest teenage girl to have ever existed um, and go to just a terrible school, um, like the worst, and everything you do is awful, but everything you do it to is worse, so it's kind of okay. Yeah, um, it's Mean Girls the game. No, it's much so worse. much worse. The uh, the the photography teacher is recruiting students into white nationalism. Oh um, my! Yeah, like the the gym teacher is like every bad stereotype about male gym teachers. Like everybody is is doing pills. It's it's a very like cranked to thirteen 
um, game about a bad high school, but it's also very funny in a very like dark crossing the line three times kind of way. Um, I will. Eric has been sending me clips. It's of it's this game funny, and, but it's awful. Every time I'm like, Derek, why are you sending me? This? I do want this to be clear. Awful. A lot of games, and and this is something that I think is kind of interesting. A lot of games that have extremely edgy senses of humor do so in a like we make fun of all sides and like we're you know anti-woke and like nothing's off limits and that's not the approach that class of 09 takes like very famously it makes fun of like uh an example uh your best friend can start getting recruited into the white nationalist cult at school and one of your options is like agree to disagree like a good fence sitting liberal um so like the game makes it very clear that like racists and Nazis and pedophiles and all these types of people are the absolute worst. Um, it does not try to play that like actually caring at all is the bad thing. Um, it's not South parking it, but it is deeply offensive and inappropriate, but it's very funny to be the meanest teenage girl who ever lived. I mean, it's not, I've never played this, so I could just be talking out of my ass, but it sounds like it's, it's proof that like, you know, there, there's people who are like, oh, comedians can't do edgy humor anymore. We we're not allowed right? to say anything. It's bullshit. Like yeah. you can absolutely make jokes about this shit. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's just where like, is the humor shit. directed? Yes. Who are you punching at and why are you doing it? And also, is it actually funny? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. What's, what's it, the it joke? is objectively funny, Reb. Yeah. It is. Objectively I will say funny. if anybody um, looks up anything from class of 09 um, again, like, Oh, it just go in with every content warning, every trigger warning, because there's no territory that, that, that is off limits, but like, it is funny and it does so without trying to be like hacky and anti-woke. Um, and I appreciate that, but Wolfen uh, Wolfenstein's been the real highlight. So there you go. There you go. So Jeff, we're going to, we're going to move over to you now. Jeff, I don't think Reb is familiar with your newfound love for a particular genre, so this will be really, really fun, I think. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about it much. Yeah, like I, I just play Flight Simulator all day, every day now. Um, but Jeff, uh, respectfully, it is... I think you were doing that when yeah, I left this This isn't podcast. new. Okay. Was he really? <laughs> no, but it has like progressed. I don't think Reb knows that I... Um, Play yeah, online with a virtual team of air traffic controllers, uh, but Dude, I um, think that's interesting. Hell. I yeah. think that's so, so cool. interesting. That's sick as hell. That is not oh, lame. So that rules. Cool. No, that's yeah. so cool. Um, but yeah, I just I don't have much to say this week, uh, except I will I will say through some of the connections I made through that network, there is this won't surprise many people. There's now a non-zero chance that I will fly a plane either this year or next year. Hell oh my yeah. God, uh, Jeff, that's so, so cool, cool, dude. I'm just telling you, we'll if we're ever flying and the pilot like dies for some reason, like you are the one I trust most to, no, to Jeff, land the Jeff, plane. Don't be modest can, like, about this. Like embrace this. this yeah, so no, cool. Jeff, is there a way you can show Reb your setup right now around your PC? Mm, we can circle back to it at the end okay. of the show. I can deal with that. I don't want to take up time now, but yes, okay. I can, I can definitely. He's um, got like this whole yeah. setup, Reb. This is like wholesome and wonderful and yes, just it's like amazing. so cool. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm almost, I, I am a day away, literally tomorrow. I turn 33. And now that, now that I am almost 33, I, I have like just this deep appreciation for people who have like, I don't want to, this sounds so bad, but like normal hobbies 
like things that it's, are just like like normal and lovely boring. To do. Like I'm not offended. Like it's a boring like. <laughs> But it's, it's, no. but it's nice, right? Like, yeah, you know, people who are into like bird watching or, mm-hmm. or like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying really hard to like learn another language. Just like, mm-hmm. it's you people know. who are just happy with like a thing but that I they think, know makes um, them happy. Doing a thing. Yeah. I think uh, like the thing, you know, I, I talked a lot about it before, but like, I think the thing um, that keeps me going is like, uh, it's not like study level, like what real pilots would use to train, but a lot of the third party aircraft and stuff that are released are like almost fully functional in terms of the systems and the switches. Um, and it's like, you know, one thing I missed when I finished school, like a hundred years ago now is like, um, I just, you know, I learned a little bit on the job, but like, I love learning. I love learning yes! new things yes! um, and, and pushing myself. And it's been like, uh, very rewarding. It. Like, you know, it started, like I wasn't seeking that. I was like, Oh, I started playing during COVID. And I was like, Oh, I can't go anywhere. I can't even go outside really. So I'm going to fly around the world. And, um just gradually it's it's kind of like maybe it's a little bit of the the adhd or something that likes the order of like checklists for like booting up an aircraft and stuff like that um but yeah it's just like you like i'm talking like you're reading like real training documents and stuff to reference um like it it takes like i have like probably 500 hours now and i've almost mastered one aircraft um but then there's Ah! like almost infinite ones and they're like all different types there's really complicated airliners but there's really small general aviation stuff that have like three buttons like it's um but it's it's just i don't know there's something satisfying about taking the time to like not just learn the principles of like you know how altimeters work and how the altitude and and throttle and thrust and and lift and stuff like that but also like the mechanical i don't know it's just it's like learning something and even if it never like transfers into real life it still feels satisfying to to like see the tangible results when you don't like crash and destroy the plane like uh i don't know it's it's I, 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 I think say it's really Jeff. good to no, Rick, I think, please. I think yeah. it's really good to like do things that you love regardless of what, this is not saying you're bad at this, but like regardless yeah, yeah. of whether or not you're exceptionally skilled at them. Well, it's like, fine. I'm bad, do, but it's just, great. Well, no, yeah. I don't think you're bad. I just okay. I just like the, the fact that you love this so much. Yeah. Look at all uh-huh. these flashcards I have. I'm really into flashcards and this notebook full of yeah. language stuff. Like I'm super. <laughs> in, this is so good. John, you go. No, I was just going to say, Reb, like Jeff will stream this stuff. And they are some of my favorite streams of all time because when Jeff says there is a virtual like traffic control, I mean like real people, not like a, not like a computer program, real people who are, who are online right now directing traffic around the world in Microsoft flight simulator. And, and it is legit the most Zen coolest fucking thing ever and jeff and i are actually gonna do a stream on sunday where jeff is gonna uh, be the pilot for sdgc airlines and i'm gonna be a passenger on his plane and you're gonna be like a really annoying passenger (laughs) because i feel like i feel like you're gonna try to do the things you're not supposed to do like smoke in the lavatory i'm gonna i'm gonna be like recording people on the plane and i'm gonna be like yo that motherfucker back there is not real like I feel like John is already a very annoying airline passenger, right? Oh my like God. without acting. That's not true. I norm when I'm on a plane, I'm either playing my switch or fucking snoring. I feel so, like you walk on and just immediately no, be like, not. "You're talking everybody is you, safe." Like, Let me man, tell everyone. This, yo, man, look at this analog pocket. You see how good this screen is? Fuck, isn't this thing just the best? John walks into a plane and he's like, "This Here. is my actual real job. Everyone is safe now. It's okay." <laughs> and then I sit down and I'm like I will defend I all look, of you I look at the person next to me I'm like hey do you know anything about Final Fantasy 6 <laughs> oh my god John I don't think you. I ever told you this but I, I went to a going away party for a friend 
And I was at a part. I knew my friend. I didn't know anybody else. They were moving away. I didn't know anybody else at this party. It was not a party in any way, shape, or form of gamers or or gaming adjacent people. There's no reason this should have happened. And three, three separate people at this party did the have you played the critically acclaimed rpg final <laughs> fantasy 14 meme at me with at this party with free y- yeah the whole level thing 70 and the expansion heavens work it's so they long though i don't is. actually I'm not know a what the full enough bit to is. know what it is yeah yeah no it's okay no, final but- fantasy is is john's ex- ex- very extremely ex- like specific hyper fixation so he's got it all memorized I mean, I'll. I can. I mean, do you want to make that? I mean, I'll talk about Final yeah. Fantasy fourteen. Hey, bud. Hey, want. bud. I don't want to put you on the spot, but how are we doing about that diagnosis, huh? <laughs> anyway, anyway, <laughs> it is time to move on uh, in this podcast to the part where we talk about Visions of Mana, Reb. Um, it it looks. It look. I I know it's not on the docket, but Reb, it looks. I didn't know this delightful. was on the agenda. No, this is great. But it looks fucking delightful, doesn't it, Reb? Oh, yeah, it looks really good. I, I you I know I've Anna. only played one. Mana game? Two mana Which games. One? Two mana games. Which one? Uh oh, this is like really embar- so I'm really stoked for Visions of Mana, like embarrassing this took for it. Imran is like in the kitchen. He can hear me, so he's gonna learn that I actually don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about mana games. Yeah. Um I played the one where it's it's top down and you have a party of three, and there's a sword guy and a magic person, and then like kind of a little weirdo. Uh oh, Secret of Mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Secret of Mana. Um, and I loved Secret of Mana. It was super cute. I love the music. I was thinking like this could be any JRPG. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, and There's then a I sword played guy and a magic person and a little weird guy. <laughs> yeah, and then I played the remake on. Was it Switch? No, it was. Are you, did you play the remake of Secret of Mana or the remake of Trials of Mana? I think it was Trials of Mana okay. that I re- that I played. And the I remake is good. Trials of Mana is the one with the Ooh okay. girl, right? Yes, yeah. you never played the, it as the Ooh girl. <laughs> you don't want really to talk about Twilight of Mana? It was whichever one has the shopkeepers that are like. Duh, 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 I mean, those are <laughs> those are all the shopkeepers in in the Mana oh. games. But you okay. are talking about Trials of Mana, especially yeah, the guys yeah. in the turret who got beards and they're like, yeah, yeah, they're doing like a dance to the music, yeah. and it's it's, it's a like great actually remake. kind of funny. Um, yeah, I played both of those. I like that one a little less. I didn't. I mean, I don't know if it was a good remake or not. Imran says it's not. But the Super I, N- the Super Nintendo version is much better. I yeah. didn't. I, I like. I like it have that fine. So um, you got to roll. you got to bounce. So for vision. Yeah, I got to bounce. But oh, I just wanted to say I you, had bud. to make a had to make a chance to get on with Reb just because yeah. I missed her. So love you. Have a great Tell night, Saki everybody. Hi. Later, Bye. pal. I will. Bye, everybody. Bye, bye. And Jeff. <laughs> Jeff specifically. This has ruined the wonderful streaming layout now. No, I, I Reb, like I, Derek will vouch that we were streaming the, uh, we were streaming uh, Winter E3 with Jeff Keeley and, uh, Winter and, E3. And, 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 I mean, it's not an award yeah. show. And, oh. and, uh, and Visions of Mana popped in and Derek thought that I would, Derek, Derek was like, John, do you need like a towel? Like, are you okay? Like, I was yelling and screaming. Mana is one of my favorite friends. I called that it was Mana before you did. You, I am proud you of that. Did. Derek's like, wait, is this Mana? Um, you absolutely did, Derek. Uh, sorry, I just wanted to bring up Visions of Mana real quick one because I'm very, I'm more excited for it than I am Rebirth and Two. Our our big topic tonight's going to be kind of a downer, I think. Oh, so I wanted to 
get a, some, a, a few more positive. It's not going to be not everything in twenty twenty. In a different bad, year, uh, maybe this would be weighted a little differently. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we want to. This is kind of like part one of a two-parter, like reflecting back on twenty twenty-three, right? Because next year is our game of the year show. Um, next next week, not next year. Next week, not next year. <laughs> well, we will have a game of the year show <laughs> we, next we year. Will. um if we're all still here um but like 2023 i wanted to do a a a post-mortem so to say on 2023 like the good the bad the ugly for like the gaming industry and everything that surrounds it I should have done more prep for this show. What even happened in 2023? God. Did anything happen? The problem is it all feels bad, right? I can name a lot that happened, but like Mm -hmm. the good is that a bunch of like very fun games came out, right? Yeah. And look, Derek, like, I mean, 2023 was the year that a a game came out that finally tied Final Fantasy VI for me as my favorite game of all time. That was Final Fantasy XVI. Wow, go figure. Wait, really? Yes, I could have I told love- you. Oh, this is a whole episode. We, I'm not even going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. I yeah. love. I, I have love- opinions about what I've seen of that game. I, I love I, Final Fantasy 60. Um, God, that was rough. Because like, I'm going to say like this it. out loud so Imran can hear it. John thinks that Final Fantasy 16 is on par with Final Fantasy 6. No, he he said it's up there as his favorite game, which is John just made a face. Or Imran just made a face. Hey, look. I lo- look, I love what I love. And, you uh, love what you, you should love what there's you There's one it's thing like, you can rely on, and that it's that a new numbered Final Fantasy is going to be one of John's favorite games. It's, like, that, is not, that is not entirely true. When, not, it, when is the last time that wasn't true? Final Fantasy X. Final okay. Fantasy. I can't say shit, because my top <laughs> two games are 14 and 7. <laughs> Final so. Fantasy 12. 14 and 7 um, are fucking great, Jeff. Yeah, that's fine. That's Final a Fantasy good twelve opinion. was one of my least favorite Final Fantasy. That's weird because twelve is one of my favorite. Anyway, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. But, um, <laughs> Final Fantasy. No, Final Fantasy sixteen. Final Fantasy sixteen ties Final Fantasy six for me. Um, I've already replayed it three times. Um, like last is, uh, year was was because I mean obviously like Final Fantasy sixteen was big. It was big for a lot of us. We got to go to L.A. and go to the launch event, and we you know got to meet Ben through a lot of this, and and we've gotten closer to Ben, and that's been very cool. But like. Remember that period of June where we had like Street Fighter, Diablo, and Final Fantasy all hit in the same month. Less than a month after Tears of the Kingdom. Tears hit. of the Kingdom Super Mario that RPG remake. Yeah. That was a good game. Tears of the Kingdom had game devs posting on Twitter like questioning their life choices. You know oh, what I mean? I love Tears of the Kingdom, yeah. but I am ready for Zelda to go back to like sure but like there's no denying that was a a a marvel of a game that that nobody thought could have been done ridiculous that anything in that game i mean hell oh my god resident evil 4 remake came out last year which topped the original in my opinion um you know super the super star ocean 2 the remake was fucking delightful like like it was a good three became a video game that that every single human on like that is the closest to the Pokemon go effect I've ever like since Pokemon go. Right. I think everyone played Baldur's gate. Yeah. I'm scrolling back through the articles that I wrote last year to like, see what things happened. And I keep scrolling past lots, lots of bad things. Stadia closed yeah. last year. That was last year. <laughs> yeah. You remember, um, y'all remember hi-fi rush. 
Yeah, High Fire I've Rush was lovely. That's really oh, nice. John, you should. I don't know if you have any sense of rhythm, but you've—I—I hey. I, I don't mean that as an insult. I truly don't know. But like, High Fire Rush is wonderful. Um, I mean, like, well, I'm also like, you know, the Pixel remasters came out yet last year, which I've been wanting for a long time. Uh, World or not World of Final Fantasy. Um, uh, a new theater rhythm came out. Like, it was a really good year for games, and it was a really good year for video games across genres like like the, no matter what genre you like be it TV. rpgs or fighting or horror or platformers or whatnot like like because you know super mario wonder was last year like there was something for everyone As and that's and that's good what's bad is what happened to the people who made all those great fucking games that 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 you loved last year and 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 that is something that is constantly constantly I just saw that that picture that Reb put in the in the Discord chat, um, but uh, it is that's an oldie but goodie. But but the, this is something that is I, I feel like we constantly lose sight of in is that you know all these great games that we love from last year, all these all these wonderful games that everybody enjoyed. Half the people who made them are gone now out of the industry. Um. And already in a, uh, in, in what the first less than the first three months of 2024, we're already halfway to the numbers that were laid off last year. Yeah. Um, and, and so while, you know, there's a lot of, and I'll, I'll kick the conversation off with this. No, v the video game industry is not dying. It's not going to die. But if, if, if anybody here is familiar with the term brain drain, right like like when you lose all your talent when you lose all the best and, and and the brightest in any particular industry then the quality of 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 it, everything involved in that industry be it it's it, it you know it's creative output uh it's writing it's it's direction that all goes down the tubes um to say nothing of the fact that i just learned that today microsoft closed at 3 trillion dollars Despite laying off like almost two thousand people, yeah. yeah, trillion dollars. Now, how many people were laid off just last year? We got we 10, got ten thousand is the estimate 10, that yeah. ten thousand around based on that is that is not like a firm exact number, but that is based on a a website tracker that is taking all of the public announcements of layoffs and the rough estimates of their numbers and slamming them together and saying, okay, this is what we know about. And it's it worth probably noting a lot higher. Yeah. It's worth noting that that is like inherently going to be biased some towards like layoffs at Western studios and publishers. Um, yes. Because even most of what we've heard from like Tencent is like Tencent shuttering like Western studios. We don't know a lot about layoffs that happen in a lot of Japanese, Chinese, Korean uh, developers and publishers right yeah um so you know it's like, it's even that is like a piece of a puzzle probably i i've seen a lot of people talking about how and reb you you tell me what you think about this but i i, I saw a lot of people last year and even now talking about how well most of these layoffs are because of over hiring dirt during covid and fine whatever right i'm sure that's not the case for all of them but i get it that doesn't absolve any of those companies of any of this. No, and... it Go doesn't. Ahead. And I, I think, I think that's one reason. And so I, I got invited on like, like several podcasts last year to talk about the layoffs that were happening. And that, that was the reason that we were talking about on most of those podcasts. Cause it's kind of what we thought it was. 
but I think as we as it dr- it drags on because this is we say 2023 this has actually been going on since the end of 2022 so yeah. we're now well, this has been going on for like a year and a half now like this is a really really painful time and we're now looking at what over 5000 layoffs just in January alone mm-hmm. that we know of um like it's really dire and the question is always well has this ever happened before and I'm like I don't know I haven't been here for 40 years but it feels exceptionally bad either way because it ultimately impacts human beings. I I think it goes a little bit beyond just overhiring during COVID. I think I think what has been happening is even going you read the riot letter, which was kind of I mean, I don't I don't mean this to praise them, but it was sort of helpfully transparent in certain ways about what's been going on. They go I mean, back they've to at least like got a good severance package. I guess I'll say that much. It for seems them, right? like it, yeah. I mean, I don't really trust corporate explanations of those things, but, but right. seemingly yes allowed uh but going back to like 2018 2019 they're talking about riots been making these really big bets they've been spending a lot of money they've been saying okay well we want to invest in and we want to invest in projects that we don't necessarily know if they'll do well so like we've got league of legends league of legends is you know league of legends freaking incredible but we're going to invest in riot forge this indie label where we're going to like support these small studios to make games that are in the league of legends branding but are like you know smaller scale or like genres that don't necessarily like fit with league of legends or whatever um you know we're going to we're going to invest in new tech we're going to hire bunches and bunches of people we're going we're going to spend money on stuff um and i don't think they were the only ones i think a bunch of companies were spending money on stuff and that stuff can be a lot of different things. Sometimes that stuff is really cool indie projects that I'm super excited got money to exist. And sometimes that stuff is like fucking AI and blockchain. Yeah. Uh, it's a bunch yeah. of stuff. And and everybody was really ambitious with their funding and, and funding was kind of going out the wazoo. And there was a period in 2020 where everyone kind of pulled back their funding a little bit because they're like, oh fuck, there's a pandemic. I don't know what's going on. Are we going to be okay? But then it became very quickly apparent after like a few months of 2020 that, oh shit, the thing people are doing in the pandemic is playing video games. So we got to invest more. And then they started spending even more money and they, they overhired and they overinvested. And again, this is when like, blockchain and nft technology was like really blowing up in the gaming space well amongst investors not really amongst you know audiences. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and then ai I- coming on the heels of that and so they're they're investing and they're investing and they're investing and the line up to this point has been going up and to the right and during for a couple years in the pandemic it went even higher and everyone was super excited about that and now it's kind of like it's not down like the gaming industry is not doing poorly we're releasing a bunch of great games but a really good example is um Oh, I I just lost it. I I, I guess like the, the idea of like the extraction shooter, right? Yeah. Like there's a there's a couple super mega popular extraction shooters that are making piles and piles of money. And a couple of years ago, everybody kind of looked around and went like, oh, that's that's the trend. That's what we gotta do. And so everybody like jumped in this train of like, oh, we gotta make like multiplayer online shooters uh that are gonna do really well. And so everyone's making one of those. And all of a sudden we're finding out, oh wait, everyone's making one. The two games in that genre that are gonna be hits are already out there our game's going to fail yeah. uh, because it's, it's not one of those. And we're seeing that over and over. I actually think the survival genre, I know I, we said, we won't talk about pal world. I actually think the survival genre is kind of next uh, in line for that sort of thing. Well, but if it wasn't before it is now. Yeah. Right. Sorry. I know I've been talking for a long time, but there's just basically no, companies have been spending and spending and spending. And I, I think there was an attitude that, okay, it's fine if we don't, it's fine if we spend a bunch of money and some of these things don't pan out because other things are going to hit big for us and they will make up for the things that don't pan out. 
And that's not the worst strategy in the world because it does mean that you get like, you know, really well crafted stuff that is not going to sell tons and tons of copies, but is going to be inventive and artistic and like critically acclaimed or whatever. But then you also get, you know, the, the bets that will bring in money, but everybody's just over-invested. Everybody made terrible business calculations. Uh, people with money didn't really think long-term and maybe yeah. some of the stuff they invested in was worthy, but the the sort of scattershot approach that the games industry has been doing of just throwing money around and forgetting that video games take not just three, not just four, not just five, maybe six, seven, eight years to make a video game. Yeah. And then it may not make you any money. Like, I don't know. People have been mm -hmm. CEOs way too careless with money and way too careless with people's lives is kind of the moral of the story. To me, yeah, I think like, sorry, you sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. No, Jeff. No, I was going to say like Reb nailed a lot of my thoughts on it. Like, I think everyone like, especially when people are angry, cause like this stuff is just infuriating. Like it's, it's nice to just find like one cause, but it's like so complex and there's so many like different factors at play. And uh, yeah, like the main one, I think it absolutely is like the overspending and stuff, but like, games in general are like a weird entertainment i guess is a weird blend of technology and art and or um business and art i should say and they're always going to fight a little bit because these companies all literally exist to make money like as much as we want them to like treat the workers humanely and stuff like that like microsoft exists solely to make money at this point solely to please the shareholders but like they, you know that doesn't mean that within that framework like we can't still make good games and i think um like because games also share that sector with technology and art um like the tech sector has been having a real rough time things like you look at the layoffs like microsoft last year ten thousand nominees were in xbox or like facebook and google like no one's really immune and it's not the dot-com crash from like 20 years ago but like it's a little dot-com dip um right and uh i think some might be better off than others you know the 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 companies that are maybe purely in games it's, it's not like apples to apples like people keep trying to compare different companies and stuff like it's it's all a little bit different microsoft's in a different space than sony because like gaming is a much smaller part of them than than some of the other tech stuff but like when they go to make financial decisions they're gonna pull like they aren't necessarily gonna spare xbox layoffs like they're like we need to make this many cuts across all divisions and it's gonna be one of them so it's it's just it's so complicated but i think like the the stuff too like that everyone is struggling right now right um the stuff that we face, like high grocery bills, huge interest rates, high cost of living, um, you know, whether it's intentional or not, like Reb said, like the money crazy. Look at like some of the studios, like some of the studio office space that these companies have, like great, like happy workers are good workers. And I think it's awesome that like companies want to provide a nice um, a, a space that feels relaxing and feels where they can be productive and stuff like that. But at the same time, like look at the location like look at like some of the excess and stuff like i remember seeing pictures of like the new kojima studio i'm not like trying to single them out that's just the one that comes to mind it's like um something has to pay for all this stuff and like you can't really unmake that studio you can't undo that office especially if you're locked into a lease for 10 years but you can let workers go to like save and like well, these are really like band-aid fixes i think but i think these companies just hit the panic button and the other thing um a couple people in the know and like in our discord have been saying like a lot of these big companies there's like a magic number and it's revenue per employee and it doesn't really matter. Like Microsoft's not bleeding money, but like the shareholders want to see a good revenue per employee. And like, if you're not increasing the revenue high enough, you could also affect that by decreasing the employees. And it's so cold and, and soulless, but um, it's values yeah. on a spreadsheet, like, right? Like the, the worst possible thing about capitalism 
is excess, right? And 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 what Jeff said, it reminds me of a similar situation from the from the mid '90s, right? Developer called Ion Storm, which was headed up yep. by Derek knows what I'm talking about, which was headed up by um, fuck, uh, Doom Doom Quake, uh, John Romero. Uh, it was headed up by John Romero and Ion Storm. At this point, you know, at this point in time, like they were riding high off of the Doom hype and the Quake hype, you know. And th- this Derek was back in the days of when they started developing Die Katana. I was going to say, are you really about to use Die Katana to try to make a point here? No, but what I know, <laughs> no, the point I am going to make is they their studio consisted of a a like four stories on the, at the top of a skyscraper. These guys were all driving Ferraris to work and, you know, they had like, you know, fancy tech at the time for 1996, 1997, like hologram technology in their office. And, and, and at the same time, and what happened is none of that money was put into, uh, into paying their employees and actually developing good games. Now today we're seeing a different kind of excess, right? And it's just flat out corporate greed. There is, you know, Every time we see people let go, be it in 2023, 2022, 2024, it's always followed by the words, we are trying to, we are trying to create the best possible games for our audience and, and we're trying to do right by our people. It's the same regurgitated language every single time, just packaged up slightly differently. Look at the, look at the statement that, that Phil Spencer released today, yeah. right? Like it's garbage. It, I mean, it's pure garbage, right? It's like, thanks for corporate all the good PR. Game What's that? It's corporate PR, and it's the same thing. Right. It reminds me. It was something like, um, we're we're shaping ourselves to be the best version for the future. It reminds me of like it's not quite as blunt, but the horrible um, Bungie statement where it's like we kept the right people. It's like, like fucking just like shut up for a day, like yeah. with the like. I know they need to release these statements because the investors need them, but like, just shut the fuck up. (laughs) So I think like, I think what we're seeing is kind of a reckoning, like caused by a bunch of different factors that have gone unaddressed for a long time. And I'll make it really clear that the correct answer to this is not the layoffs, right? Because as, as, Every single human being. Well, no, because every single human being with a conscious has has pointed out that like, why are we not seeing CEO cuts? Why are executives who make the decisions that turn out to be bad never the ones who lose their jobs over it? Right, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's true. I also think it's worth pointing out, as as many others have, that the people who are getting laid off are disproportionately like women, people of color queer yep. folks, right? Disabled folks. It is disproportionately people who do not wield social and political power within the industry. Um, so like that, that means it's not fair because even if the layoffs were necessary, you're picking the people who need to be staying. Um, and all yep. this does is make it even harder for, you know, like women of color, for example, to, to stay established and find people like them within the industry um, who have experience and to be mentored by. Um, so like well, that's... And now, like with, with all the layoffs, like it's not like maybe, I don't know when, whatever games are thriving. It's not like when a studio closes in an otherwise healthy industry and it's like all the other, you know, publishers are out there putting out like their job postings, like here, if you were affected by this, come apply. Like, it's kind of like everyone's closed for business right now. And, um, 
like it's and i don't want to say impossible like it's gonna be hard like you've got a yeah. lot of thousands of people all fighting for a very competitive job like, imagine um, trying to get your first job in game dev and you got to compete yeah. against people from yeah, blizzard like it, it, it is eventually going to level out it will eventually level out the problem is is that it that well, but like it, what it Derek said, it's going to level out with like a bunch of old white dudes uh, yeah. left in the, like, that's where it's going to level out as. And then yeah. we're like back to where we were however many years ago. Yeah. And years ago. I'm, I'm currently working on a story about like the human impact of yeah. these layoffs. I very I've much gotten, look forward to that. I've gotten like over 50 responses from people just telling me these heart wrenching stories. And like a couple of the people who have emailed me have been like, I am currently or am on the verge of becoming homeless over this. Yeah. And it like, sure. I'm glad the industry is going to eventually pick itself up again. That's great news. I'm yeah. glad that eventually these companies will turn around and hire people again. I'm glad that eventually everything's going to be okay. But like, I don't know if everything is going to be okay for these individual people. Like probably yeah. all not. Of these people are human beings. And also, even if, even if, you know, a year from now, the industry picks up and they hire all these exact same people back. Even if everybody magically gets a wonderful job back with benefits and pay and all, all the wonderful, beautiful things we want them to have, uh, this is still trauma. This is yeah, still sure. trauma that you have to live through and that you carry with you for the rest of everything. And like, you know, I, 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 I have never been laid off myself, but but I have a partner who has multiple times and like, you know, it, it fucking sucks. It fucking like screw shit yeah. up in your life trajectory. We're all just fucking trying to survive out here. Well, and, especially when you find yeah. out on Twitter and then you yeah. have to wait to see if you keep your job or not, because, uh, you know, it, these companies will announce like we'll find out on Twitter that, hey, we're cutting these. And then people are like, oh, now I get to sit around and wait and see if I get to keep my job. And it's like, that's gut wrenching that that's fucking terrible. Like, like at the very like common decent, like I don't, common decency is, is a thing that seems to be in shorter, shorter supply these days. But but if you are going to do layoffs at the very most basic minimum. Handle it internally before you announce it fucking publicly. I read a story of, of a, or I read, I read some tweets from somebody who got laid off at Blizzard, right? And who needed to like go through a bunch of hoops to find out from a colleague that like their card, like corporate card wasn't going to get shut down because they were like on a work trip that they'd just been sent on. And the only thing I could think of was like, this is literally the exact same shit that happened to Imran, right? Mm -hmm. Is like, hey, we sent you on a fucking work trip and then laid you off while you were in mm -hmm. a foreign country. Um, you know, so like it, it, it should be clear. The layoffs are simply not the correct reaction to this reckoning. But like, the games industry is in a tough place. I, I see people cite all the time that like, look at how many, you know, billions, trillions of dollars are being made in the gaming industry, right? And like, that's not even, right? It is, it is often a handful of yep. truly ginormous service games that are fueling most of that growth in the industry. And so if you even are, they like, are laying people off. Yes, but they like, are. Also, and of course, there's a billion people trying to make competitors to those that and those and their games are going to flop because there's only room for so many of those to have oxygen at a but, time. But like the price tag on them has gone up so much too, and the expectations of the players is, and like no one refuses to let down the expectations. So like, like Reb mentioned, yeah. like the dev cycles, like that's the other thing, right? 
um years ago like when uh i don't know when studios are cranking out like a trilogy in five years um you can have a miss or fuck up and like six months a year you're back on your feet with halfway through the next game and like you can recover really quickly it's like a lot of these closures we see like i think a lot of the blizzard um layoffs were were related to um the survival game that they were working on for six years there was like at least 100 people there and i think a lot of them were laid off as like you put six or seven years into a game and 300 million dollars and it wasn't and it even doesn't... close to done yeah, yeah. and it yeah. and it's not getting there like that's that's part of the problem like the layoffs aren't the solution the problem is like just the industry like the way games are made right now isn't sustainable i'm glad crunch is getting like a little bit better i'm glad that's a little bit more on mind and like some of the the culture around places is changing a little bit but like again it, i'm worried they're looking to the wrong solutions to mitigate that because if people aren't working 100 hours a week anymore games are going to take longer to make so something else has to give and it can't be just laying people off well and, and there's something else that i i i think we don't talk about enough in the wake of so many layoffs, so many people losing their jobs in that the people who are left behind suffer as well from something different and it's called survivor's guilt. Yeah. Um, and, and as somebody who has dealt with that in a different capacity, but survival's guilt, survivor's guilt is survivor's guilt. It is a one, a terrible thing to watch your friends and colleagues pack their stuff up and walk out the door while you sit there and continue to do your job powerless, knowing that there's nothing you can do or say to help them that'll make them feel better, feel better to give them comfort. But also that constant feeling of having a loaded metaphorical gun pointed at the back of your head every time you walk into the office thinking, is today my day to lose my job? Is today my day to get fired? I don't know how anyone at any of these companies could ever feel secure in this kind of environment. So, so if I may, and, and, John, because um, you said, uh, I just want to point out, because you said that, like, you brought up your experience with survivor's guilt and said, like, I know it's not the same thing, but, and, and I actually want to say, I, I think it's more meaningful for somebody like you and the survivor's guilt that you have to deal with. Let's call it like it is, John. You had to clean the strawberry jelly remnants of a superior officer out of your fucking ear, right? You know survivor's guilt. So for someone like you to be able to speak to and say that the kind of shit that these people are dealing with is real and matters, like, is powerful and is impactful. This is not like you latching yourself onto, like, something more important than you. It's you lending expertise emotional expertise to like a very very painful feeling that a lot of people are going through so well, and like and like reb ahead. said like um we, we keep saying like they're not numbers like the, the stories i'm i it's it's gonna be a hard read but I, I can't wait to hear like hear some of these people experiences and hear their thoughts but like um i fortunately don't have a ton of experience with it personally but the one that sticks out to me was like very early on in my career, still at the company I am now, and um, through through some kind of oversight, I I was responsible for um, basically sitting with a laid off employee while they kind of cleaned up their computer to make sure they weren't taking any company data or any client data or confidential stuff, um, just retrieving like their personal information. And like I was in there for an hour, and as you expect, they're they're crying. Their phone rang. It was their their husband or something like that. They're like they're just like the raw. Like that's something that'll stick with me forever. And that was like one person and the thought of like 2000 people going through that, like 
and, and like like you said like okay things will settle in the industry but like these people like um you lose your house because you can't make your payments you might not get that back right like um if kids don't lose the opportunity to go to college like that window passes eventually like some of some of the harm is permanent and irreversible. Well, and, and, and some uh, of these people, Jeff, are going to suffer through PTSD. And whenever people mm-hmm. hear the term PTSD, they think of like somebody like me, right? Like like who suffered PTSD mm-hmm. from combat. But the reality is, is that members of the military who have been in combat are the smallest group of people who suffer from PTSD. The biggest group of people who suffer from PTSD are women. And the second biggest group of people who suffer from PTSD are people who have lost their careers. Uh, and and it, it is not something to, to be fucked around with. It is not something to be trifled with. It is something real and something horrible that is going to follow you around like you're carrying a goddamn bag of bricks over your shoulder for years, potentially the rest of your life. Um, it's something you're never going to forget. And and you know and there are there are different kinds of trauma, right? There's the trauma of losing your job, and then there's the trauma of sitting there and watching something terrible happen to somebody that you care about, and knowing that you are powerless to stop it, right? And and that's really like when I talk about survivor's guilt, that's what I mean. The the idea that well, it should have been me, or I should have been with them at the end, you know, and and watching your friends your family essentially walk out of that front door carrying the bo- their boxes of shit like makes you resent yourself because they are losing their jobs and you are not and and that is something these are all things that that I that I I wish were being talked about more in these circles I'll get off my soapbox now, but I I, I needed to get that off my chest because this has been bugging me for a a, a little bit so, now. I wish uh, I had like, a call to action, right? Like yeah, I wish I, I could tell people like this is and this is what you can do about it. But like I don't have that. Like I I think it's important for everybody to internalize, right? To like understand the weight of this, right? So we can you know emotionally empathize. None of this is ever going to hit the kinds of people who are harassing and mocking people who got laid off, mm. right? On on Twitter, none of this is going to reach some shithead white boy streamer. Um, who gives a you shit know, about them? You exactly. Know? Like, but like, cares? we can internalize and like empathize and do it. But it it's it's not like you can if you want to engage with gaming like as an art form and as a hobby. It's mm. kind of extremely difficult to try and do so like with your wallet. To make and, and like I want to say like the industry like I've, like I've said before like I my my kind of line is just like I, I don't really like boycott stuff to affect like anything because I know like my individual things it's more like I want to support projects that I feel good about I want to feel good about how they're made the environment and what they're made um, the intent behind making them like I want to feel good about what I'm investing in because that's what I'm doing um, and I don't want to reward stuff that I think but like at the end of the day I'm like going through this I'm like okay what can I do to help this like okay, well, I can, like, try to boost up all these small indie studios by supporting all the games, but, like, indie studios can have, like, a shitty CEO at the head of those 10 people, too, and, like, like we've seen with all this stuff, the okay. first people to go are not the people, like, it's it's the people at the bottom, like, and your money doesn't go to them, it stays with the people at the top, so I, because I, I, I'm wondering that same thing, I'm like, there's so many great games, like, last year, and, like, already into this year, we got, like, like, I think, um, Tekken 8, and, uh, yeah. And like a dragon and um, uh, the new Prince of Persia, like we got three banger games in one month, but 
like where like how do people balance like enjoying this stuff knowing like what's going on behind the scenes it's it's really it's a position no one should have to be in reb please i got three three things you can do yes um, i got three um so so number one i i hear what you're saying about like not knowing on indie projects as someone who's reported on shitty indie ceo behavior before boy hate that shit yeah uh, <laughs> but you can't pull the curtain back on every single studio and every single game. There, there is no way of knowing it. But I do think broadly and generally, uh, if there are small projects and small teams, especially the smaller, the better, honestly, uh, whose work you really love that you have a meaningful and tangible way to support, whether that's supporting a Patreon or a Kickstarter or, I mean, Kickstarters are a little, a little dicey, but you know, especially if they're asking for a fairly small amount and you can see the proof in the work that they're doing, uh, or if it's just an independent creator or, or something like that, even vocally supporting the work that indies are doing, uh, that, that can be a really, a really powerful thing because the impact that you're having in those cases is so much greater than, you know, where if I go on, well, if, if anybody goes on the internet and just says, I like Final Fantasy, I love saying that, but doesn't do shit, frankly. Everybody likes Final Fantasy. Um, so if there is a project that you're really passionate about, especially on the smaller scale, that can have a really big effect. Uh, number two, uh, be vocal in your support of uh, unions in the games industry, especially when those unions are actually formed and specific. Uh, having vocal support uh, in public spaces is really powerful for unions. So like ABK Workers, Raven Software, ZeniMax, uh, those are three. I, I don't know if you noticed, but CWA put a statement. None of their unions in Activision Blizzard were hit with layoffs today. And that's because it is actually harder to lay people off if they are unionized. Uh, so being vocal in your support of them, I know it feels like a tweet doesn't matter, uh, but my understanding from talking to people who are unionized in the games industry is that actually it, it kind of does like being able to point and say, yes, audience sentiment is on our side is really meaningful for those folks. Uh, so wherever possible, um, you know, be vocal in your support of them. It doesn't necessarily prevent layoffs, but it can make the fall a little bit softer when they do happen. Um, and number three is like really cheesy, but I don't know, just like be a nice person. We can't really change the world. Like as individuals, none of us are our presidents or or world leaders, but we can clean up our own little corner of it. And the best we can do is like be kind to developers, be kind to I mean, we're all kind of like vaguely involved in games. So like, you know, being kind to the developers we know, being kind to the people in games we know, not spouting off. We don't we don't need to spout off with like shitty opinions on Twitter every time something dumb happens. Like, you know, just just being a, a nice person and and taking care of each other and and I don't know, like donating to causes we care about and making sure that we're doing community support and community outreach when shitty things happen. Like, yeah, I don't know. Those are the three. That's what I got. Yeah. You know, I, I want to give a, a little piece of advice to, to, to anybody listening and, and it's, you know, you also have to like 2023 was a weird year for a lot of people, right? There was a lot of good that happened and there was a lot of bad that happened. And one of the things that I found myself, one trap that I found myself falling into in 2023 was feeling guilty about enjoying the games that I was playing because I knew what was happening to a lot of the people who were making these games. And I'm going to urge everybody listening to this, try not to do that to yourself because there's nothing, one, there's nothing you could have done to save those people's jobs. And two, the people who are making those games, I guarantee you, want you to enjoy them. They Nobody makes a game thinking, man, I hope they fucking hate this shit. 
You know, like I, I hope I hope people despise this fucking game that I'm making. Unless you're Yoko Taro, which does seem <laughs> <Yeah>. to be <laughs> right. I like, can imagine Yoko Taro sitting down at a desk and going, I hope people hate this. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. But but okay, so aside from Yoko Taro, uh most most developers want you to enjoy because they're pouring a little bit of themselves into into whatever game they're making, right? Like like you you make video games because you love video games. It, it, this isn't one of those industries where people get into it like accounting, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, I don't, you know, it's like, you know, nobody goes to work for Geico because they really love working in a fucking call center. Okay. It's like, nobody's like, oh man, all I want to do all day for nine hours is listen to people complain about their insurance, about their insurance well, rates. That's what I want to do. People go into games because they love games. The arts are important. That's why they're there. Like that's, that's what it is. Gaming is the arts. It's one of many arts, but it is the arts. And like, right. You know, it, it, much of it may be very corporate, but like, that's true of film. Right. But right. like people get involved in the arts because they're passionate about the arts, about creativity. And like, I just think it's, I think it's very important if, if I may maybe add slightly onto what Reb was saying Please. is I want more people to talk about and think about gaming as an art rather than as content right mm -hmm. like content is the bullshit we do right like, i'm banning the word content i hate it i hate, I that hate word capital so c content capital i hate c that word john john is is a is a big proponent of using that word as often and as ironically as possible and i Just hate because it because i know it pisses Derek off. yes but like games are not content like movies tv are not content ai cannot replicate them right it's art Right. Even the big, dumb corporate shit is art because so many artists worked on it to make it. And I think if we think about this industry as an arts industry and we think about the games as art and the people who make it as artists, that helps keep us in the right frame of mind to discuss this because it's not X number of people got laid off. It's artists and art is what keeps us going in the hardest of times. Like Reb said what was everybody doing in 2020 when we were all locked inside? We were all going to movies and books and TV and video games because we art is Animal Crossing. the That's only thing everyone Animal Crossing brought the it's world art. together. It's Animal art. Crossing is art. And art makes us like art gives us a reason to keep going on this bitch of an earth. Um, so yeah, like I just, I just want people to think more in those terms. Um, mm -hmm. Because I just think that's important. It's important to view it as such. And I think that, like, I think that just ties together with what John was saying. Like, you don't need to feel guilty about the games you're making. But the games aren't magic. They weren't created yeah. by machines in a factory, right? Like, you don't need to feel guilty about them, but just understand the human element behind them and appreciate right. it. And like, like, discuss it if there's something you really like. Discuss it in that way. Like, look at it as art and not like oh i played this game for 200 hours and did all the like that's fine like you play a lot of hours you get all the collectibles that's fine but like what what made it special to you like what did you appreciate um and boost it and especially the the smaller stuff i think yeah. you should feel a little guilty if you're like willfully and knowingly trying not to emotionally engage with yeah. these sorts of problems right like it's one thing to just not know right sure. that's that's i just, just want to play games derek i just right. want to play games but like if you know Maybe there's stuff going on play. like I, I i like you can have problematic faves right like i i love plenty of games that come that that, that had like horrible crunch 
or layoffs surrounding them, right? And like, I don't have to convince myself, right, that those things didn't happen or aren't real right. in order to enjoy the art that came forth from it. Um, I, I engage on that level, right? Because I'm an emotionally complex and mature person who's capable of that. And I truly believe most people are. So we don't we don't need to. You should feel a little guilty if you have to try and look away in order to because if if you have to look away to enjoy a piece of art, if you have to ignore all of the problems, then like that's that's something that you are trying to tell yourself that you are denying. And but I'll also I'll add to that and say there there's there's art that is problematic because it was made in a problematic way or it right. contains content where you're like, oh, right. this is ha this has a message that I think is kind of actually genuinely fucked up. But there's also art that's like bad because it's just you know, kind of mediocre. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. not amazing. It's it's just kind like of right fine. to hell redemption. You I, know? I like I Final Fantasy sixteen. <laughs> I want to encourage everybody to like enjoy <laughs> mediocre art though. Like really, like it's yeah. I, I one of the one of the big. I mean, th there's like a whole long discussion to be had about why these layoffs are happening. We've talked about it a little bit. I'm sorry, the cat won't shut up. Uh, I love the cat. Like, it's fine. Like, I mean, lots of overspending. But like, one of the other big issues is that basically there's like you know a handful of like super mondo successful games every year, and then a bunch of shit that fails. Just so much shit that totally gets tons of money spent on it, and then just eats the dust in terms of, of spend and, and consumer engagement or whatever the fuck it is shareholders care about. And I just like, I don't know. I want to, I, I think it's good to enjoy stuff. That's fine. Most <laughs> art is just fine. My friend Amelia says it all the time and she's absolutely right. Most art is fine and it's great to enjoy completely fine art. And I, I really hate that we're in this situation where there's like, you know, 10, mind-blowing amazing games every year and then stuff you never hear about like i would like there to be just more mediocre stuff in the middle and I, I i i don't think we've gotten completely far away from that but i worry in terms of what companies are willing to spend money on we're gonna hit a point where everything either needs to be a home run or it's gonna get canned if, and it, like, i want like, companies to be more willing to make things that are gonna end up in the hypothetical equivalent of the walmart ten dollar bin one day but we're still gonna really like them well it's kind of like reb a few a couple years ago when we when we hit that point where developers were openly telling their people hey if we don't churn out an 85 metacritic game mm -hmm. we're not getting bonuses like that's a real thing that was fucking Spot. happening and 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 that that like hits the nail on the head right like like just you know that and, and, like can you imagine working under that kind of atmosphere yeah like, please please have my permission to enjoy things that get a six out of ten on IGN. Yes. i love please. weird messy things final that, fantasy stranger of paradise derek it's a fantastic game it's a it's a it's a fantastic pile of garbage i love it yeah like i I, I said this so much when we when we did the FF16 review, right? But like so much of my growth as 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 you know, somebody involved in in art in any way, right, has been my ability over the years to separate like I like it therefore it's good or I don't like it therefore it's bad, right? And like some of the most fun I've had with messy movies, with messy games, etc has been being able to find things that are divisive you know, or are a, a super mixed bag and say, here's the stuff that works and here's the stuff that doesn't. And, and the way this comes together is fascinating to me. Right. Like 
that's it is so much better for something to be high highs and low lows than it is for something yeah. to be like unflavored white bread, if that makes sense. Um, but for some people, that's all they want is the unflavored white bread. And that's fine, too. That's like, fine. Is I'm, that my incredibly talented and illustrious colleague Tom Marks in the chat? It could be. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Tom Dude, writing. He rules. But yeah. Um. So we we're, we're we're hitting our we're hitting our our, our 10:30 mark here, and I'll 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 kind of end with this. Um. Yes. 2024 has has you know you know when we take a look back you know at, at 2023 and we you know we think about all the highs and lows of that year. 2024 is starting out much the same way that 2023 ended with a bunch of good games and a bunch of layoffs. Um, and I know that that is disheartening, not just for the people losing their jobs, but for the people who have remained behind. Um, and so the one thing I would ask everybody in chat and everybody listen to this on Spotify or whatever you're listening to it on is to kind of take this with you going into 2024. It, enjoy all these games. It's okay, like Derek and, and Reb and, and, and Jeff have said, it's okay to enjoy art. You should enjoy art. Um, but at the same time, be mindful of where that art came from and who made it and, and kind of silently, I guess, thank them because that individual- Or not silently no even. Job. What's that? Twitter's still good Probably. for one thing. We don't have to be silent when we thank thank people for their work right. on things we like, love. Like like you know, you know, it, it, and the thing like you know, people like Reb pointed it out. Like people see these tweets, you know, like like you know, like just be don't think that you're throwing something out into social media and it's just getting lost in the ether. Somebody is going to see it, and somebody is going to it. And it and you know what? If it makes even one per somebody got laid off. Like let let's say you, you love X game and the person who made that game got laid off. If they see a week later that that even just one person really really loved it and it was meaningful and impactful and it left a positive impression on them, it may not it may not like dull the blow of losing their job, but I guarantee you, it will give them a small bit of of vindication. People like good feelings. The day, they, they poured their heart and soul into something and it affected someone in a positive way. And that as an, as, as somebody who was in, who like, I'm not an artist at all. I, I, I have no artistic ability whatsoever, but what I will see is I do know a lot of people who do. And the one thing they, the one thing they love more, more than money, more than, more than awards is to know that their art is appreciated. And money's value. nice though. Yeah, money's, money's pretty nice. good. Money's nice. It does money help me. Nice. Eat. I'm, I'm not gonna lie about that. Uh, but th that's what I got to say about that. Um, Reb, what an absolute delight to have you back on. Oh, thanks for having me. I missed you. We anytime, all missed you. I'm glad we've already. Any, anytime, anytime you reach out to me with like a couple of weeks' notice. Yeah, I'm glad we've <laughs> already will... scheduled a follow up. In fact. Yeah. So, yeah. really? I'll be back. Yeah. I I will. I'll post it in the in the. Our, our little channel you'll see okay but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so speaking of games we loved in 2023 next week there because our game is of our year show? game of the year show um I'm it's not the all the, the big triple a games um yep. you know spoiler you alert slay the game, princess got an honorable mention from me oh hell yeah. Yeah. yeah like um but no it's no it's gonna be we always have a really good time a really good contentious time with our with our game of the year show uh, so yes, I agree. Reb is awesome. Reb Reb's getting a lot of praise in chat. Thanks, everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, she is a she is a two time 
award-winning journalist. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> look. I did. I did have my. I have my performance reviews coming up, and I had to make. I had to like invent some goals for myself, and and one of my goals was like, I don't know. I could take a third award. Let's work on it. Let's work on <laughs> yeah, that. Let's go. See if, see if I can get a third We're one. Online for third award. Uh, and of course, don't forget, guys. We um, we are. It hasn't been officially approved yet, but we've we've got the inside track that we've got the inside scoop that it's, it's going to get approved. So we will, we're uh, working on our panel, our, our best final fantasy, best boys panel with Ben star and a few other cool guests posting, the, posting the, the voting survey for the best boys in the chat. One more time. Go vote for the best boys vote for Sabin. Sabin, uh, Sabin needs some love. Uh, pre- <laughs> Reb, we greatly appreciate you. And uh, I know that you are super busy. So the fact that you just took an hour and a half out of your busy time to, to hang out with us again, means the world to us. <laughs> Anytime you ask me in advance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you in advance much more often. All right, everyone. Take care of each other. And remember, the kindness costs nothing. We'll see you next week.